0: Sure, the the whole mise-en-scene that that leads into the exposition and the uh, the day and the intention, it's perfect. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. Are you trying to tell me that you want me to be in your movie?
1: Gumball. Would you repeat that? Gumball.
0: Hello, and welcome to another IMMP, the Intermillennium Media Project Podcast, for your dose of nostalgia, media criticism, and misuse of parental authority. My name is Matthew Porter. And I'm Ian
1: Porter. And Dad, I have to tell you something. Yes. Podcast. <laughs> and this is when everything goes crazy. <laughs>
0: A 3,000-mile coast-to-coast podcast.
1: Yes. I like it. Oh, that would actually... Write that down. That's an idea. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Side note.
0: Well, I figure uh, we're now well into summer. Yes. And summer is time for road trips. Ah. And, you know, you might have guessed this at some point along the way, Ian, that I I like road trips and so does your mom. Oh, really? And I like cars. I like most things having to do with cars. I... I... (laughs) I have, I have many childhood memories that can relate to this. Auto racing and just cars in general. And uh, given the fact that I like cars, I like movies, there are more than a few movies about cars out there. <gasps> oh, but and, this isn't the one about family. <laughs> no, this is not the one about family. Uh, that's, that is a whole different thing. That would be a whole separate Side series, if we ever t- were to talk about the, uh, the Fast and the Furious movies.
1: Hey, IMMP listeners, are you interested in us being able to talk completely separate about the Fast and the Furious franchise? Check out our Patreon. <laughs> Help us get to the point where we could do that sort of thing. We would. We absolutely would. Oh, yeah. And in the meantime, on YouTube, we reviewed
0: the latest. Exactly. But now we're talking about car movies that had an impact on me when I was young. Okay. So we've got a few of those to watch, but we're starting with, in some ways, is probably the least
1: well-known. That's an interesting thing, because I'd heard of this before, but that's just because it's influential to a lot of other things. And, a lo- and, and in a similar way to the way uh, Fantastic Voyage, there's episodes of shows that are just that plot of a movie summarized. There are episodes of other shows, I'm pretty sure. Somewhere deep in my memory that mimicked the story of this.
0: Oh, yeah, there are definitely there. This was very influential on movies in general, especially specific set pieces from this movie. And its story is reiterated in a number of other movies. But what we're talking about, you've seen it on the episode title. We're talking about the Gumball Rally. Oh, my goodness. (sighs) 1976 American action comedy
1: car movie yeah this is like the most action comedy action comedy i think i've seen in a while it's not a comedy that happens to be action filled it's not an action that has some silly moments this is straight up like action comedy action comedy it's back and forth there are specific racers who are action and specific racers who are comedy in this entire setup. Well, this was
0: directed by a guy named Charles Bale, who for most of his career was known as Chuck Bale, who was a stunt coordinator. Wait a minute. This is a movie directed by a stunt coordinator, and I think that can become clear.
1: Is this the John Wick of car movies? <laughs>
0: Maybe a stunt
1: person makes a movie after years in the industry that shows off what they do at the highest level of skill <laughs> with some large name actors to carry it. And a potential world big enough that um, people get fascinated by the setting as much as everything else.
0: And when you are on the grounds of the continental parking structure, you are required
1: to go no higher than the speed limit. <laughs> oh. Although now I'm just thinking of, like, John Wick, but with Cars, the Disney property, which is a whole other (laughs) thing. That I would go to see. I would go to see that. Assassin
0: Cars that are... Yeah. I think think that was the second movie, actually. Yeah, there there were
1: aspects of that in Cars, too. Anyway. Yeah. But this one was very... This one's a... I kind of... Like, this movie does not pull its punches. It is quick in multiple ways.
0: It's one of those movies that, to me, always seemed longer than its running time, not because it was slow-paced, but because so much is packed into it. So many characters, so many action scenes, so many set pieces. Its running time is, is uh, just, oh, it's less than two hours, like 105-minute running time. And yet, especially watching it as a kid, it seemed never-ending just because every second there was something new to look at
1: it's a story with main characters but not a a main crew or character every single character group every crew of a of a car is given some amount of time and some amount of focus and style that at the very start you have kind of a a bit of a chance to root for anybody yeah it does give you that opportunity it's
0: I, it's probably not that hard to guess at the beginning who our main protagonist is. Yeah, but there are enough twists that you're not really sure that they're going to succeed. And just to lay this out, what this movie is about is a an illegal coast to coast road race from New York to Los Angeles. Right from from uh, from New York City to the parking lot at the Queen Mary in Long Beach, California, L.A.
2: and That's essentially
0: the only rules. Yep. Uh, The route is not set. The vehicles are not controlled. It's whatever you're going to do to get there. As long as you're traveling on the ground,
1: it's fair game. Coast to coast race with no catalytic converter and no 55 mile per hour speed limit. (laughs) And we see, and, and, and the first thing we get is everybody getting the call in the middle of his meeting. This candy executive is getting bored. He's opening up a little safe, pulls out a gumball. He just turns around, grabs the phone, and tells his assistant gumball as the code word. And that means the word gumball goes out to all of these racers from across the country.
0: And this is Michael Sarazen playing Michael Bannon at peak Michael Sarazin cool. He had that 70s sense of being suave and sophisticated nailed, especially that New York sense where, like, you're surrounded by this hellhole and yet you're surfing it and you're cool because probably you're uh, an executive with lots of money. Yeah. But yeah, those opening scenes, it's like in a heist movie where you have gathering the team and yet... You're gathering all the competitors, all the people who are going to take part in this race and
1: compete with one another. And you're getting to see like their different styles and a bit of their different vehicles as they all gather together in this parking garage and get ready. And
0: you also see the the range of personalities. You've got the sports car enthusiasts like Michael Sarazen's character and his partner, who is a, a university professor in Boston. You've got Michael's main rival who's a guy who's based in LA and we start hearing hints that he's hired a ringer. He's hired a professional driver to be his race partner. But then we've also got a couple of well-to-do suburban women. We've got these old guys in a classic Mercedes. We've got Gary Busey and John Duren, who is a, uh, a stunt driver in a Camaro. You've got all these different personalities and all these different personalities of car that match them. Michael Sarazen and his professor friend are in a Shelby Cobra. His, um, his ri- longtime rival, Steve, and his, the ringer that Steve has hired are in a Ferrari. It's the three that have tr- tricked out their Chevy van to mean that they never have to stop for gas. <laughs> and we've got i think it's 10 or a dozen or so teams in this. Unfortunately, early on they start to whittle that down because there would be too many teams to follow through the entire movie. And they always they find interesting and amusing ways to to weed out some of these teams. Absolutely. It pains me that the team that's in a Jaguar never leaves the garage. Yeah, they're
1: tinkering with their their English engineering. Uh, yeah. And some of them are, some of them complete brilliantly. Some of them, uh, fall to in wild and spectacular ways. That same Chevy van has quite the scene later on. <laughs>
0: yes. They've got a, a van that is mostly full of gasoline.
1: Yes. And, and that goes, uh,
0: yeah. As soon as they get a breach, that does not go well. Oh, uh, yeah. There is, of course, a Corvette, but the Corvette does not make it out of New York City. It gets literally broken in
1: half before they leave town. Yes. Oh, <laughs> and interestingly enough, there's even a Rolls-Royce Royce that's not an official entry.
0: <laughs> yes. The guy who works in the garage, that's their secret headquarters, wishes he could be in the race, doesn't have wheels of his own. So he answers an ad looking for someone to drive this Rolls-Royce from New York to Los Angeles, where its wealthy owner has another home.
1: But this, is, um, this isn't just a competition between racers. There is an outside force, and that is the police. And that's one part where the world building comes in. The fact that there's all these people ready at a drop of a hat on one code word to start up this race and have vehicles that they can pu- pull together and ready. The fact that there is there's already definitely connection and rivalry between them. There is all this going on. It implies this keeps happening. Yeah. This race is not the, this isn't a one time thing. This is another in a series. Yeah. They talk
0: about what the record was the previous year. And also Lieutenant Roscoe is saying, I didn't get you last year, but I'm going to uh, this time. You're not Mm going to get away with it again. And he's an LAPD detective who's been keeping an eye on Steve the, the LA based rival and follows Steve to New York for the beginning of this race and is just obsessed with arresting these guys and stopping this race. There's almost a bit of a around the world in 80 days vibe. Very much these so. These people who are on this trip and there's this in the background is this policeman who is trying to catch up with them and nab them.
1: And he becomes the butt of various jokes, but he also is kind of on the race himself, trying to get ahead of them to convince local police in whatever area or figure out what he can do to trap and capture any of them.
0: And he does not endear himself to local police as he convinces them to expend all these resources and then is foiled by the racers at every uh, attempt.
1: Yeah, that doesn't go so well for him and this is a a string of humiliations, but the fact that he keeps going kind of increasingly shows how personal this is.
0: And he gets increasingly unhinged as well. Oh, as absolutely. He suffers losses and, and utilities and indignities as he uh, continues his attempt.
1: And that's where this kind of pace comes from, this quick pacing, where we'll see one team run into what will be an obstacle. Let's say a giant dust storm in the middle of america as they come through and you'll see them either try to deal with it or already have a solution because they've planned you'll cut to like how the police are faring and what they're doing and is this helping them or hindering them in their attempt to capture any incoming then you'll cut to another team of the goofier side who Bumble their way, possibly straight out of the previous thing that they'd been smacked upside the head by into this new th- problem, and we see it cause them all sorts of problems, even maybe eliminate them. And then we'll cut to a different team, tackle the problem, and then we might cut to the first that encountered it coming through the other side, and we'll know who's, who's still in the race and who's not, as they pass through this, and then we'll cut to another silly thing. Maybe the guy who's still back in New York trying to get the Jaguar started, <laughs> and then cut to the police again to watch them barely miss capturing another set of racers. And our, our detective runs off trying to chase the next group, figuring out how do I get there, what flight do I need to take. Meanwhile, the local police are like, "There was two people that sped past." I mean, we got these one, this one group that did something silly with this truck over here, but what are you going to do about those two? And that's where we move into the next set. And that pace bouncing from group to group and threat to threat and solution to solution, it has a, a it never lets go of the energy. It's like one of those sound tricks where every note played in sequence still somehow sounds like it's always ascending. This, this movie, it's not like it's nonstop, but it doesn't ever take its foot completely off the gas. Right. It changes in
0: tone enough that allows it to, to maintain that pace. hmm Yep. And something that, that makes that work is the fact that not every one of these race teams is taking the same route. They're taking different routes out of New York City. They're taking different routes across the country. Yeah each trying to get a strategic advantage on the other. So we're cutting back and forth, not just among different teams, but also different environments and eventually uh, different times of day as well.
1: Yeah, cut the diagonal. It's going to be maybe the fastest, but you're also going to have to deal with these wide open stretches. Maybe, you can, maybe you'll get cleaner travel going across the top of the United States, but you've got a lot more woodlands, a lot more twisties in between you and some of those long areas.
0: And some are focused more on uh, interstates, nice, yeah. big, straight, but heavily patrolled. Others are taking more back roads, twistier, more narrow, more things to go wrong. But you might be able to pick up time there.
1: There's something about the way we see everyone with their cars having some. It's never, it's never a speed racer levels of kooky creations, but there is some customization, tinkering, specialization to all these vehicles. And there is such a difference in strategy to the same solution that this movie gave me very positive, uh, uh, comparison to things that I love like junkyard wars and battle bots, where it's like engineering meets different solutions in a high stakes environment can be the perfect little mix there.
0: That's what's interesting. If you go back to the, uh, the, the night before scene in the garage in New York, when they're comparing cars and everybody's there fixing up their cars and we get a sense of what have people done? What are they trying to do with their vehicles to get an edge? One is you mentioned the van figuring we'll just fill this up with gas and we'll not have to make a single stop between here and Los Angeles. Another is the, the women in the, the Porsche 911 have radio receivers that are giving them computerized traffic and weather information. And 1976, that's That's just mind blowing. And you've got another race team. We hadn't mentioned a pair of LA police officers. Oh yes. And their car is what looks like a very generic police car, including lights on top. And they have a trunk full of magnetic livery for all, all different police departments whose jurisdictions they're going to be crossing through between New York and L.A. Figuring we'll just look like cops, and if we're driving at high speed, well, yeah, nobody's we, going to stop
1: us. We slap a sticker on the side, and we follow the path we've made, and no one should bother us the entire <laughs> way. And then there's the uh, there's
0: Lapchik, the mad Hungarian. Oh my goodness! He is the only one-person team. Because it's just him and a very fast Kawasaki motorcycle.
1: And he, he's... Oh, I feel so bad because he's one of those ones that... Once the race gets started, you know he wasn't intended to be a competitor. He's intended to be a comedy cutaway. Very. Because his entire thing is that he keeps on getting absolutely the worst luck and the worst time <laughs> everywhere. And yet... He's one of the people who refuses to fall every single time. Like he's thrown into a tree and his response is nothing. He doesn't say anything.
0: He never speaks. He's very twitchy. He is extremely wide eyed. They never make this explicit. They never state this, but he is speeding like crazy. I'm not talking about the, the velocity of his motorcycle. (laughs) He has chemically enhanced alertness that he is counting on to keep him awake and driving this motorcycle for uh, however long it takes to get to Los Angeles. And it has an effect on his demeanor and his personality and everything else.
1: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) This guy looks like... uh Like, having a really early airport flight and buying yourself, like, a red-eye coffee, you know, black with, like, five shots of espresso poured in. He looks like that feels. Oh, yeah. Now,
0: once you've kind of got the, the structure that we just laid out, and you've got these different teams, again, some of whom don't make it past the first 20 minutes, the rest of the movie is this series of set pieces. Either a challenge that a team encounters along the road and how they overcome it, or my favorite parts of the movie, I have to admit, are those bits, there's one near the middle, and then of course there's the end where the Ferrari and the Cobra are duking it out. Oh, when it comes to the Ferrari with Michael's rival Steve, yes, and the rumors about him having hired a ringer, yeah, he hired a ringer. Yep. He hired a professional Ferrari race car driver played by Raul Julia. Who is the wildest man? Terrific, terrific role. And he plays it so well. He is the, he's passionate about race cars and about driving. He's even more passionate about women, which kind of gets in the way of his race car driving sometimes. Yeah. He's just such a wonderful, over-the-top character. And Raul Julia just chews up every bit of scenery he gets near, and it's perfect.
1: The way he, the way he comes into the garage is one of the wildest scenes. <laughs> It is absolutely unhinged, and I don't know if I want to give it away, because (laughs) the the way they play that is just so spot on, but it is very intentionally making sure you don't know if this guy is okay, (laughs) you do not know if he is a liability or an asset. (laughs) <laughs> and that is a good question through the entirety of the movie.
0: And at the start of the race, he gets one of the best lines in the whole movie. And
2: now, my friend, the
0: first rule of Italian driving. What's behind me is not important. And Steve has not only hired a driver, he's also hired. A big chunk of the Ferrari race team, apparently, because he's got pit crews stationed with spare parts and, and ready to go service at various points along their route. He's got all these, like almost James Bondy sort of ways to help keep them running, keep them from
1: having to wait too long, keep them from getting arrested. Before Knight Rider even did it, this is apparently the movie <laughs> that did the pull into a, con- a uh, semi. On the highway stunt.
0: Well, there's another movie that did something like that that we're going to talk about.
1: Oh, really? Next month.
0: Oh, I saw listings <laughs> about this being the first, so I'm surprised. Ha ha. Not a semi, per se. Oh. What? <laughs> but we'll get to that. Huh? But for for all of the comedy and everything else and all these bits and set pieces, those those. Pure driving scenes, not even the ones where they're doing amazing stunts and such. Just the way it is edited, the way it is shot, the, the especially these two cars vying for the lead. There's a scene at night on a twisty road with tr- lined with trees. There's the end where they're trying to get through L.A. traffic and they wind up racing through the L.A. River. I just love those head-to-head racing scenes that really make this a car
1: race, not a fast road trip. Absolutely agree. And I appreciate that, you know, this movie, especially with all the variety of cars, with all the focus on them, the cars, each of the cars is a personality of its driving team. Yes, yes. These are, no one has logos for their team, but the image of these people in this car is that kind of symbol of which team you're rooting for. You'd expect, especially in a more modern current movie, Brand deals and such means you wouldn't see these cars have a spec on them. They'd look great at any point. You see these cars go through stuff. You see these drivers go through stuff. There is a love of the car as a thing that can do a thing, not just a showpiece. And that's really a big part of this. These cars take a beating and they have they have much more like the hero's scars kind of Battle worn kind of effect by the end than being pristine things from the showroom in that sense. It's Very excellent true. To show it's excellent to see. There's a, there's a, ah, oh, dang, it took the paint off. Glad it's still running. <laughs> keep going kind of attitude. And that's great.
0: Yes. Some of the cars, they take a beating for comedic effect. But even the cars that are our are, are, are front runners, we've got the Ferrari Daytona and the Shelby Cobra. They look at the end of this like they have been through a 3,000-mile race, and they have been through a lot. Yeah. And you're right about the, there's this match between the cars and their drivers. The, The rich young executive and his university professor friend, they make sense in a Shelby Cobra. The professional Italian driver and the guy from Hollywood, they make sense in a Ferrari Daytona. The, the well-off suburbanites, uh, they make sense in a Porsche
1: 911. Even, even the mad Hungarian on this <laughs> yeah. small thing decked out in sleek black, just like his racing suit, and both of them are making a high-pitched, angry-sounding whine, is exactly <laughs> fine matching.
0: It absolutely is. And, of course, Gary Busey and his, uh, his demolition derby friend driving a, uh, a Camaro, again, that oh, yeah. fits their personalities so well. Absolutely. And I saw this probably around 1977 or so when it was on TV after its release in 1976. And I bet that some things were edited out and some things were not. But I'm sure there's a lot of the humor that just totally went over my head. There's a lot of stuff that you'd find in 70s movies that you wouldn't find today. And that's a good thing. Uh, Some of it is just risque humor, fine. Some of it is things like the the threat of rape by a biker gang as part of the lead into a comic action scene, which is I, I awful. could do without that.
1: Yeah, that's no, yeah, it's a it's a movie of its time for the good and the ill, and we've got to acknowledge that. Yes,
0: but there's something about putting all th- those kind of story choices aside. There's something about the style of certain kinds of '70s movies that just clicks in, a, in some way that i appreciate there's something almost european feeling about this movie
1: i was going to say it feels very european both of the shows i referenced it having that feeling of have major european components both uh, junkyard wars and battle bots have strong ties there there's something about the love of cars of this that also reminds me of uh grand tour and uh and other Uh, cars top gear gear, shows like that there's something about that style of approach to cars it does definitely feel like a european movie made and set in america in that sense
0: yeah it I, i kept thinking that there must have been more european
1: production involved in this and i gotta say it's not a movie that does very it doesn't do overly flashy things with its camera work it does some fun things and such, but it does plenty of, like, watch the car go past from a distance, or if we're getting a shot of the car, put a camera at person height and see the vehicle. It's, it's never, like, zooming, floating stuff you see in more modern car movies. Right. Now It's p- approach to it is, it, the 70s aesthetic there, I think, fits very well with approaching the vehicles this way. That's my point.
0: I think you're absolutely right. I think part of that is just a limitation of the technology at the time. Movie cameras were big and heavy in the 1970s. They were not digital uh, cinema cameras. So you had limited choices in terms of where to put them and how to move them. And you're not necessarily going to move them in a way that will keep up with a car. But that said, I think this is a director who he made very, and, and a cinematographer, who made very functional choices. Yeah. The the camera work is never distracting, which to be honest, the easier it gets to move cameras. Some directors and cinematographers make the mistake of making their camera movements distracting. This lets you see the, the cars, lets you see the racing. There are a few shots where you're seeing from inside the car, but those are not overused. They're used in those key scenes where the driving is the fun part to watch. You're seeing those little duels between the Ferrari and the, uh, mm-hmm. the Cobra. And, I can appreciate the fact that they took those choices uh, like the ones you're describing. And for being big
1: and heavy at the time, there's obviously a bunch of excellent scenes filmed with a, co- with a camera mounted inside another car following pace. A pace car getting those shots, but it's never faking the action the car is doing. The car is, if the car is moving, you're moving along with the car. If it's moving past you, you're pivoting to watch. It's never, it's never implying something the, that the car is doing that it's not actually doing.
0: Well, I think there I are think some most, shots it, that might be trailered where you've got the car being pulled behind a vehicle that has the camera and things mounted. But still you've got a car in motion it's very realistic exactly. there's nothing there's nothing that seemed fake it's not a ton of
1: rear projection which is what they would have had to do 30 years earlier Exactly that's my that's kind of the thing it's like this is using it just right this is showing a real car in a real place most, in in most every scenario i can right. think of maybe they get a few things for very close ups maybe they do a couple of things if they want to get the shots of the the people inside the car, they're trailering it like you're talking about, but it's still them sitting in a car. Sometimes (laughs) it's not always, it's not like cut to the inside of a half cutaway car to get shot of someone. There's plenty of the people in there and for plenty of stuff shot through a windshield in that sense.
0: And this is a, it's a movie that clearly loves cars made by people who love cars And it seems to me that there's something about this movie that is recognizing the end of an age. This is 1976. Oil crunches are starting to lead to smaller, less powerful cars being popular. They mention the 55 mile
2: an hour speed limit that was instituted in the mid-70s. And...
0: It almost seems as if these characters and maybe these filmmakers are trying to present this last glorious moment of mid-century car culture before it becomes end of 20th century car culture.
2: Yeah. I can, I can definitely see that. It's, it's aware of an era that
1: is coming to a close.
0: So I have to ask. Favorite team, favorite car. Not necessarily the same things.
1: Oh, that's really
0: tricky. Yeah, that might be unfair, because there are so many good cars in here.
2: Oh. Let me pull up the list and decide again. Mm. Aesthetically, I liked the AC Cobra. That's a cool-looking car, I gotta say.
1: The Shelby Cobra has just... It's very of its time in that sense, but I did like it. It's got, a, it's got a classic look. My favorite team, though, is the police officers. And that's for what happens at the end with them.
0: Yes. Yeah, they are, they are shown to be the most stand-up guys around.
1: Exactly. And that, that, won me, that won so many points with me that they're my favorite team.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I, they, I, I might go along with those. I have to say that as much as I, well, I like Jaguars, but they make fun of the Jaguar not being able to start.
2: It's a handsome design. I wish it ran.
0: And as much as I like the Porsche and the Ferrari, the that Cobra is just such a beautiful car, such a classic, quintessential sports car that uh, I've got to go with that as my favorite car in this. And yeah, in terms of who I want to see win a race, I'd probably go with the the team driving the cobra but in terms of the guys i think are best i would say it's the uh the police, guy, police officers
1: oh yeah oh, i gotta say i also really did like the 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 mercedes 300 sl roadster in this movie
0: <laughs> the old uh, connecticut gentlemen they were
1: fun <laughs> they they approached this entire thing with the most chill of anybody. <laughs> They're just like like, "Oh, good time."
0: The entire way. You get the impression that they are beyond caring about winning. They just want to participate in this because it seems like fun. Absolutely.
1: So they've they've got a place in my mind as like, "Oh, they just like they were having a good time. They're probably making notes as to where to stop on the way back." <laughs>
0: And one thing this movie never really answers for us, and I don't think I want an answer, but I'm really interested in the question is how did this begin? How did all these people meet? Yeah. Because they have vetted one another carefully enough. This has gone on for at least a couple of years, if not longer. And how does one become part of the network that gets that gumball call? Yeah. Because it's it's hard to imagine some of these people crossing paths. Anywhere but here, unless it is in little side conversations in sports car clubs and things like that. <laughs> this, is, this is giving away half of my bookshelves. But I'm, I'm imagining the way the Bavarian Illuminati became this kind of secret splinter group within European Freemasonry. <laughs> like, <laughs> within the network of North American sports car clubs, there's this little
1: gumball rally group that starts up. There's also something a little bit Willy Wonka about the whole thing. (laughs) A candy executive, like, sends out a message and a diverse group of people from all these places join up to do a grand event, some of whom don't complete the challenge. It's very (laughs) wild to say. Also, side note, go watch the multi-videos about the Wonka piercer theory for (laughs) even more strangeness. But there's something like... Did he just like leave them a package with a little note explaining and a gumball? Like cuz that means something to all of them. Like there's a setup here, but I'm with you. I don't want to know as much as I want to know. I'm I love the fact
0: that there is that question out there and making a note check for Willy Wonka Gumball Rally crossover fanfic. Oh my goodness. So ultimately this movie is it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy for car enthusiasts. It's not even a fable because there's not enough of a point to it to be a fable. It's just, wouldn't this be awesome? Let's watch it for two hours or so.
2: It's got to be fun to have something like that to watch.
0: And I think we're going to have some things to talk about when it comes to some of our final questions. So I'd say we lead into those. Okay. The
1: first one is it's a movie screen or no screen. I'd say screen. I admit it's high. It's high energy bouncing pace can make it either highly distracting for some or it never sits still long enough to hook you. And so if unless you know exactly which type of person you are, I don't know whether or not to say this is an absolutely watch or a do something else while it's on the, in the background kind of watch, because it's really going to depend on how that pace gets you. I'm
0: going to say screen. And bear in mind that when this was made, it was a contemporary, you know, very stylized, but it was a contemporary comedy. Now, it is very much a period piece, but it works well as a period piece. It captures a certain view of New York and parts of America that it's nostalgic, it, it's, it's a little snapshot But it works as a period piece. It's not just dated. I could see someone making a a good filmmaker. I could see a good filmmaker in the 2020s trying to make a movie that is set in the mid-70s and having it come out looking like this if they're very good. Yeah. And that leads to our second question
1: which is revive, reboot, or rest in peace. Oh, that's going to be an interesting one. I mean, how many movies involving a coast-to-coast like race like that? Could there actually be? Oh. Yeah. Wait. We haven't mentioned those movies. No. We haven't even mentioned that this is based on something.
0: Right. We've got not only what this might inspire or be revived as, but we've also got the inspiration for this
1: movie. The Cannonball Baker's C2C Memorial Trophy Dash run made by Brock Yates. An actual race. Yes. That was actually done. (laughs) That was made to protest the introduction of 55 mile per hour speed limits. I take it from what I'm reading. Yep. And
2: this actually happened, which means that there
1: were others who made movies about it. We're talking Cannonball in the same year, 1976, directly competing.
0: Yeah, that was kind of a low budget thing. With, was that a, who was in that? David, was that David Carradine? David
1: Carradine, Bill McKinney, Veronica Hamill, Garrett Graham. Yeah.
0: I have never seen that, but everything I have seen of it makes it seem extremely
1: joyless. <laughs> it's like this movie's more dour cousin. Yeah. Uh Cannonball Run in 1981. And Speed Zone in 1989.
0: And there was a Cannonball Run 2, wasn't there? Uh yes. And And yeah, Cannonball Run 2 was in 84. I had a friend who was a big fan of the Cannonball Run movies, and I have not seen either of them. And I nothing I have seen of them, no scenes or clips I've seen from them, look the least bit interesting. They look like they're just Overproduced Hollywood polish without enough to really engage me. You want to talk about a remake or a
2: sequel? This is a sequel. Gumball 3000.
1: You heard of that one, Dad? Are you talking about the documentary? An actual celebrity motor race.
0: Oh, yes. And there was a documentary about that, I believe. Yes. But yeah, there is a race, the Gumball 3000. I don't think it's run very well there have been some serious injuries uh, ah. and worse resulting from it because it is run on public roads it's supposed to be a rally not a race and people are supposed to stick to the speed limit but of course they don't so yeah that's there there is that out there people again not not having the sense not to try to replicate movies in the real world yeah
1: but it's weird that there's something to reference this wide from this movie. But in terms of what we think our standard questions, revive, reboot, or rest in peace on the movie, Gumball Rally?
2: Mm. Hmm.
1: I think I've got my
2: answer. Okay. I'm gonna say reboot. Huh. Because
1: there's something about this pace and this setup I really think would make interesting uh, long, like television. Making a movie is one thing, but giving the extra time of a, of a TV series and being able to have a, a show that can move from group to group and kind of break up some of those challenges episode to episode a little better, I think could be excellent.
0: Yeah, I think I understand what you mean. I'm not sure I agree, though, because I think one of the things that makes this movie work is that like a race it it has a beginning and an end and the race itself takes less than 35 hours stretching it out over a tv series i think it would just drag on it wouldn't have that pace that it relies upon i could see a reboot remaking oh i guess a reboot would be yeah remaking this movie Either as a period piece or as a modern race. But I'm I'm more inclined to say uh to say rest in peace. Now attempts to do this kind of thing have happened on TV shortly after Firefly's popularity, looking for a a vehicle for Nathan Fillion. Their first attempt was a show called Drive, which was about this clandestine auto race. But, like, people were being either extorted or intimidated into taking part. It was kind Mm -hmm. of a a dark... It was almost the...
1: It was the lost of... Yeah. It was uh, the (laughs) lost... Gumball Rally meets
0: Lost. The lost wannabe version of Gumball Rally. And, again, joyless is what comes to mind. I liked some of the cars in it, but I watched a few episodes, and it's just... Nobody in this is having fun, and that seems to include the people who are making it. And it didn't last very long. It lasted a few episodes. so. There have been attempts to put this kind of thing on TV, and I'm sure there are others, but uh, they never quite worked, I think. And what's one of the problems with the TV series is that it does go on, and there's more and more financial pressure to have it keep going on. I don't know if that would work. Yeah, I get
2: you.
1: But there's something about this, like, I can see more being done, but... The pace is going to be important. You real, this is one where you really need the right crew before you can start this race.
0: Yes. And it would take, it would take a lot of thought to figure out, okay, who should be the, the teams and what should the cars be like? Or if, if we're going to remake this, would it be set in the present day? Would it be set somewhere between the 1970s and today? What kind of cars are we driving? You'd have an interesting array of cars if you tried to make this in 2023. Oh, yeah. Combination of gasoline cars, electric cars. Uh, Electric cars, of course, they have the problem of range and recharge time when it comes to a race like this. But then again, you know, a few years from now, who who knows what's going to happen with solar charging? There's a lot of interesting possibilities
1: here. And one thing about this is this is a very much a... This is a movie about racing. It also is a movie where telecommunication is important. Yeah, There's a lot of phone calls. There's a lot of trying to find where people are. There's a lot of flights and trying to predict things. It is a movie where that sort of information is not easily grabbed. This movie changes severely when you can have somebody sitting somewhere else in the country tracking where all the racers are via gps
0: that would be so different that's
1: so different it might be amazing but it's a very different thing
0: it would That's that's a great point in this movie we had uh, one or two teams had cb radios in their cars and that was about all they had in terms of communication with the outside world while they were racing no communication between teams of course
1: yeah. But I mean, doing the same thing, but it's like, oh, yeah, the, the police vehicle with the, the the liveries, that's because they've added a couple of screens on the side and they're <laughs> digital updating behind a mesh panel. It, because, and suddenly, like, yeah, we've got someone navigating you out of an area because they saw the buildup and you're rerouting on the way. Uh, maybe you have you know, a vehicle that's running on an alternate diesel. So it's trying to, to go to places to get its fuel completely separate from the electric and the, uh, standard cars. Who knows? There's interesting things. (laughs) You could have a very diff, if you said it now, you could have a very, a wider array of interesting engineering in the com, in the, in the race, in the combat of this, but it's going to have a different feel because you're tackling different problems at that point
0: i'm imagining a biodiesel car that is nav- uh, mapping its route to hit every fat boy a burger place between <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> between new york and la
1: so that it can get their fry oil exactly <laughs> this is the sort of thing you could have it would be fascinating but it's gonna be different but if you could get it right if you could somehow extract that that mix of high energy serious fun that this movie had and apply it to something like that set now pretty good
0: would roscoe lieutenant roscoe have a an insurmountable advantage as a police officer in the present day because in this movie we see him occasionally he's got the benefit of like a, a local department that has a helicopter but for the most part he does not have a lot of technology or intel And today, that would be very different. It would be very
1: different, and it would be fascinating to see. I mean, I can immediately think of the twist I'd put in. What's that? Halfway through. Are all of these racers racing for their own, or is one of them for him? (laughs) Is there an inside man? (laughs) And that right there, it's like, am I trying to outpace it would have to be somebody that he turned because they all seem to be extremely well vetted. Exactly. So who would it be? You, huh? you, like, the idea of doing the exact same thing, and for everyone who doesn't, there is a mole in our midst. Everyone who does know this, the fact that he's calm should
2: be scary, mm. could be fun, too. That would be an interesting twist. Oh, I like yeah. That.
1: But yeah, I mean, you could have a lot of interest in this. The format's still good. You just got to make sure you use it right. And using it wrong could be awful. I'm going to oh, say. Oh, absolutely. Even more, there's some things that we say reboot where um, an okay re- reboot would still be fine.
0: Yeah, this, and I think that the fact that we've seen people try to do this since, yeah, if you, if you try this but do not get the right tone and the right style, it's not going to hold together.
1: But we have not seen another one of these I, that I can tell f- since the 90s. We yeah. crossed into 1990, and it stopped. So we've got three decades not getting anything like this.
0: Yeah, and that may be a sign of the fact that really this, maybe this was part of the end of an age, and maybe it's just not the kind of thing that makes any sense as a story come the 21st century, which is reasonable. There's a little part of me that thinks it's a little sad, but I can understand it. Yeah. But I'm glad I got a chance to
1: show this to you. I'm not even sure if this was a movie that you were aware of it's, before, uh, before it, I showed it to you. As I was saying, it's like it's one of those things where the concept is something I've picked up elsewhere, but that's because there's a bunch of these different people taking on this challenge. And so I don't know where I got it from, but I knew I had pieces of it. I, I understood the premise, but this one specific was mixed into all of that. And being able to extract what just this one movie is from that cultural miasma was nice.
0: And there are certain stunt pieces in this movie that I don't know if this is the first time they were ever done, but they were the first time that I saw them. And it seemed to me that after this movie, they show up in so many places. The driving the Camaro up on two wheels. Yes. The motorcycle goes up a makeshift ramp and goes through a billboard.
1: Especially a billboard that is ironic to the situation <laughs> of being gone through.
0: The, the fiberglass car, the, the Corvette, breaks in half and the front half keeps going for a while. <laughs> Things like that, that seem like they show up in so many places, and this is the first place I ever saw them. All in one movie. That, what's a, made this yeah. amazing for a 12-year-old.
1: I can imagine. Oh, th- this movie has has very much pure playing with hot wheels energy in a good, mo- in a good way at times. So I'm could, sure this like,
0: inspired many hot wheels. I was going to say
1: like, <laughs> y- I'm, I'm imagining 12 year old, you just absolutely <laughs> pumped full of ideas, seeing the edited version on TV.
0: Well, this was fun. Oh, and like yeah. I say, this is the beginning of our summer road trip. Uh-huh. So we'll be back with more, uh, internal combustion
1: fueled movies. I'll go grab snacks. <laughs> In the meantime, Dad, where can they drive to to find you?
0: Oh, you can pull in at bymatthewporter.com. That's where you'll find links to whatever it is I'm doing online. And that includes my YouTube channel, which is up by Matthew Porter on YouTube, where you will find the Draft House Diary. If you like hearing me ramble about movies, I ramble about a lot of movies there.
1: And Ian, where can people find you? I can be found most places as part of item crafting. That's itemcrafting.com, item crafting live on Twitch, and most any other places. Come say hi. If you see me, send me a message.
0: And for the podcast itself, you can go to immproject.com. If you want more of the podcast, you'll find all of our back episodes and a link to our YouTube channel. And if you want to support the podcast, you'll find our Patreon and a link to our shop. And if you want to contact us, you can use the contact page there at immproject.com. Or you can send honest-to-goodness mail through the U.S. mail to P.O. Box. Littleton, Colorado, 80127. And if you do contact us, either online or by mail, just let us know if it's okay to read your message on the podcast. But mostly, thank you very much for joining us. We're glad you downloaded this. We hope you'll join us again in a couple of weeks for more tales of media from the 20th century. In the meantime, go find something new to drive. I I mean, watch. Go
2: find something new to watch.